0: The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Ooh, a card! Unicorn. Pooing rainbows. I chose it. Yeah, I wanted to get this talking frog card. I just don't get all the fuss about unicorns. I mean, what are they? Just pimped up horses. Right, come on. Let's get out of here. If opportunity doesn't knock, build your own door.
1: And welcome to episode 58 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch podcast whose average speed last weekend was 35 miles per hour, even when it was asleep or eating questionable gas station sushi. I'm Gavin.
0: And I am hot. It
1: is so bastarding hot tonight.
0: <laughs> it's quite sticky, so you may hear a fan in the background. You I may can, not.
1: I think I can isolate that and <laughs> remove it from the from the tracks. But yes, we have a fan going. It's kind of loud. It's the window but cracked. it is so hot.
0: It's so hot that we, the very thrifty people that we are, have left the air conditioning on for the dog.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> That's dog is how not how hot happy. it is. <laughs> so.
0: And he's a short hair too, so you'd think he would tolerate this better than the rest of us.
1: But. He wasn't. He's never been happy this past couple of days when I've come home because it's been, it's not been the greatest summer so far. Although summer only officially started a few days ago, but. June has been a bit of a washout literally at least in, in Michigan,
0: literally, yes,
1: but this past week, from like Wednesday, it's been in the nineties, yeah, it's which is thirty three centigrade in old money,
0: yeah, it goes from one extreme to the other, and I'm so fun,
1: still not used to this kind of heat.
0: You're much better at it than you were I'm when you, you first f- moved here. I
1: feel very liquid at the moment,
0: do you remember? Like your first summer here, or maybe, it, yeah, your first summer here when we went to the Brooklyn Fair, and oh, I nearly passed out, so. and you nearly passed out, so we had to go.
1: I had heat stroke.
0: You had heat, yes.
1: It oh, was the humidity, though. The humidity was what killed me.
0: Yeah, and Connecticut is so much more humid than it is here, right? So,
1: oh, but yeah, gas yeah. station sushi. Is there anything more likely to give you the scoots Do you think
0: taps off?
1: Oh, it's taps off indeed.
0: Yes, gas station sushi. I would never try it.
1: I didn't actually eat any gas station sushi. No. I did, however, have a McDonald's for the first thing. time in about eight months. Wasn't nice.
0: No, see, we don't a have a Big idea. Mac in a
1: while. Having a Big Mac is like it's not a tasty thing to have. It's like eating sand. It's the most boring thing.
0: It's like when you haven't eaten fried food in a while, and then you try to eat something fried, and you're like, "Why did I ever enjoy this?" Right. <laughs>
1: The, the I guess the exception to that for me was pot noodle. I would have a chicken and mushroom pot noodle once every six months, and kind of enjoy it. And so I'd have another one the week after, and think it was terrible, and then never have a pot noodle again for another six months. Two a year, two a years fine. You Three did the a same year, thing. Not you, great.
0: you did the same thing with KFC. Oh well, you haven't you had KFC in a long time.
1: Probably a couple of years since I've had KFC. For the,
0: But for the longest time, like like every six months, you'd be like, oh. You fancy a bucket of chicken? <laughs> i like, yeah, go on.
1: The first clue that's not good for you is when it's served in buckets. <laughs> you serve it in a That makes a it bucket. easier
0: to serve at a picnic or something.
1: It's one step away from serving it in a trough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. It's hot.
1: Corrie News.
0: Oh, shit. Hold on. It's so hot. I completely forgot. Ugh. Okay.
1: So this is the first week that I <laughs> just passed this over to you because I couldn't be bothered doing it.
0: Yeah, and I can never be bothered. To... Well, I've been busy. I finished my. I finished writing my novel this week. So
1: you did. Congratulations. Thank you very much. When's it been published?
0: God only knows kind of have to get some first readers in and do some final edits and then shop it around, find an agent, find a publisher, get it published. So, a couple of years from now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This has been 10 years in the making. Yeah. Which is funny because it's not that long a book.
0: No. No, it's not. You are correct with that, my darling.
1: Stalling for the Cody News.
0: Stalling. For the Cory news. Oh, Coronation Street news. James Burroughs, who plays Ali on the show, yes, just had a baby. He did. Well, actually, I'd
1: expect that to be more than Cory news. that <laughs> <laughs> <Don't laughs> probably make mainstream news, wouldn't it?
0: It was his girlfriend Sophie Coates. Oh, congratulations yes, to them. Yes, they welcomed their baby daughter, Betty, into the world in April. Betty. Betty. Yes.
1: That always makes me think of Most Haunted. Yes.
0: Betty. Betty. One, six, nine, five.
1: Derek Pakora. Ah, you where are fraud. you now?
0: You utter, utter fraud. Apparently he joked that he was going to name the baby after his, uh, after um, Brooke Vincent, but that was just a joke.
1: On the Coronation Street Updates blog. They did a, a cheeky little interview with uh, the guy who plays Tim's dad. Who's a tit? Ian Bartholomew.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't want to.
1: There was a couple of interesting things that came out of that. Um, they asked him about how he felt when he heard about the storyline, and he thought, you know, for a while he's always been nice Tim's dad and funny Tim's dad and silly Tim's dad. No. 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 <laughs> don't, don't think so. Keep telling yourself that, <laughs> But it's now he's slowly very starting very to become apparent that he's uh, there's something... Something not quite right in Tim's dad's psychological makeup, and then they ask him what's going through Tim's dad's mind, and he says that he thinks that Tim's dad is uh, vulnerable and scared of being left in his own. Hmm.
0: Because he's a tit. Maybe. Or maybe he's just controlling and a gaslighter and a tit.
1: I think he is probably concerned about being left alone. Yeah, I think so abandoned. too.
0: But I think the reason why is because
1: he's been so awful version, to yeah. his
0: family and so despicable. You know, it's quite telling, that story that Tim tells about his dog. Right. And Mr. Biscuits. Yeah. And Mr. Biscuits. The fact that afterwards Tim went back and said, I know you didn't really do it, Dad. When he knows his dad really did do that. Right. Bull. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, he has history. And this is something that I think... We'll probably get to this when we're talking about it uh in this week's episodes, but this is something that has been simmering away for a, a good few weeks, if not months, Correct. really. Um that I remember having a conversation with Chris yes, that one about whether there was something a little darker that was at play here, and that's turned out exactly to be the case, which mm-hmm. is which I think is commendable that they've planted a seed like so far in the past. Correct. Right.
0: I think I think perhaps Tim's dad is the true villain of Coronation Street? At, at the Get him right like, up, yeah. You, Gary Windass.
1: Yes. Any more Cory news? No. <laughs> I like mine
0: better. Baby news is much better than cranky old guy trying to put a positive spin on playing an awful human being.
1: <laughs> or real Canadian Helen. Uh, and she says that she really enjoyed last week's Talk of the Street podcast. Gavin has such a lovely singing voice, she says. <laughs> Very melodic. And then she asks, Thanks a lot, on. Helen.
0: <laughs> nobody ever compliments my singing voice.
1: People compliment you and you're singing all the time.
0: I've you've never once read out anything. Oh
1: not here. <laughs> no <laughs> no not, never here. <laughs> but in real life.
0: Yes. So but I sing on the podcast all the time, but nobody ever compliments me.
1: So, take a fucking hint. Oi! (laughs) Uh, Our FBWR8T has left another comment on our Podbean page. Oh. Remember that happened last week for the first time? Sure. Saying that uh, Gary's St. Christopher's medal is engraved or something? These things are a dime a dozen. If it was in the grave, would it really be a damning piece of evidence, they ask? Well, I guess there's probably DNA in it and stuff, isn't there?
0: Yeah, and if it was a gift from Sarah, it's probably nicer than the cheap St. Christopher's medals you can get. So it probably isn't This grave. is probably like gold or something. Yeah. So, And they have ways of tracking these things and figuring out which store it was bought at and stuff like that. Ooh, oh, other Cory news. We now have... Cory birds on our wall in this in the office where we do the recording. And we will snap a picture of them. Already done it. Did you put it on our Instagram?
1: I don't think I put it on Instagram because I don't know what to do with Instagram. <laughs> we have an Instagram. We have an
0: Instagram now, so I'm gonna post pictures of the birds I've no idea what the point things. of it is. Pictures.
1: But that's Facebook.
0: No. No.
1: I don't know. I just decided last, was it last weekend? It was I just last decided. weekend.
0: You said, should we do an Instagram? And I was like, I don't know, let's let's think about it for a little while. And you said, too late, already done. <laughs> Meanwhile.
1: <laughs> so i followed tons of people that are in Coronation Street. Uh-huh. We have one follower back. Ooh. Which, who isn't involved in Coronation Street, I don't think.
0: Right, and you haven't really posted anything.
1: Because I don't know what to do.
0: Are you following Charlie on Instagram? I believe so. So lots of, lots of doggo pictures.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know what to do with it. So, yeah, certainly. These are massive birds. <laughs> they are massive. Compared with Hilda Ogden's, they're about <laughs> 17 times the size of it. What kind of birds are they?
0: And you could probably slice someone's head off with one of these wings. They're they quite metal? sharp. Yeah, they're metal. Yeah, they look metal. And they're f- and they're from the 60s, so, you know, no, no safety measures nope. whatsoever.
1: The sharper the better.
0: Yeah. I don't know if they're they're cranes or peacocks or something.
1: Yeah. This is probably how I'm going to meet my maker. Thanks to one of these birds falling off the wall.
0: Yeah, so we'll hey, take a picture of that. They're on my side. So they're going to hit me before they hit you.
1: Yeah. Those wings though, they can waft across the room, I'm pretty sure.
0: Whereas you have a, a a lovely uh screen a lovely mid-century modern screen print on your side.
1: Which has nothing to do with anything.
0: No, it's just lovely. Yeah, It's quite pretty. Yeah, we've we've slowly the the kids posters are off the wall in here. It it now almost completely looks like an adult room except for the stencils.
1: Yeah, kinda wishing we hadn't done that now. <laughs> Hindsight Corner uh, blue blue blue
0: blue 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 blue.
1: There's nothing in hindsight
0: corner.
1: <laughs>
0: there was nothing?
1: I couldn't find anything.
0: Hmm.
1: I wasn't really trying very hard. <laughs> no. It's been busy We I've been busy, very busy at work.
0: I know. It's kind of crazy. The kids leave, and you'd think that we would be less busy, but it kind of almost seems like we're more busy.
1: I've never had a moment. No. So, what'd so you hot drinking? and
0: sticky. Kivita. mojita, lime mint, coconut, kombucha.
1: Maybe caught one word and three out of that. You're drinking some kind of. Cavita. Kombucha.
0: Mojita. Lime mint coconut. Kombucha. Dos <laughs> Vidania.
1: Domo arrogato. Shall we live in my dear? What are you drinking? Oh, who cares? <laughs> Fucking <laughs> non-alcoholic beer. It's
0: and Diet Verners. Diet Verners, as you always. Got, you get two drinks because it's so damn hot. That's
1: not going to be enough, I don't think.
0: No, we might have to take a break and rehydrate midway <sighs> through. But we do it all. We do it all for you, dear listeners.
1: Plus it gives us something to do. <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear?
0: I'm sure we can think of something else. Uh,
1: yes. this... Uh, it's been a good few Yell, weeks please. where I've enjoyed Coronation Street immensely. Mm-hmm. This week was... Okay. Kind of meh. It was okay. Kind of meh. Yeah. Which kinda I guess infuriating. is...
0: infuriating. It goes up. Right. And then it cl- slowly cascades back down. There has to and be kind of slow
1: go. weeks where we're just mm-hmm. kind of letting things settle a little bit. And this right, felt like yeah. a settling week.
0: It did kind of feel like a settling week because we're building up to the big trial next week.
1: Right. Well, at least we hope it's going to be a trial. It might just be a very quick they jump in a taxi and then it's over and done with and don't get to see nothing.
0: Yeah, which is Bogus.
1: Oh. How, how very Bill and Ted. Suddenly it's nineteen eighty eight again. You're correct. Not. <laughs>
0: hey, Keanu Reeves is hot again, so is he? Yeah, he's quite he's he's in like everything this summer. He's in Toy Story Four. Is he? Yeah. We need to
1: go and see that. I'm hearing very good things about yeah, it. Yeah, so
0: am I. Yeah. He plays the uh the Canadian knockoff Evil Knievel toy.
1: I had that Evil Knievel toy.
0: You didn't have the Canadian one. Not the Canadian it's one, that, that Canadian was a genuine flagging. A genuine evil, mm-hmm.
1: evil, yeah. It's pretty difficult to operate as a kid. Yeah, a kind of wind up thing. Yeah, and the and the commercial it would go, it would jump over Grand Canyons and stuff, and in my in experience, life, in my house, it never barely got across the living room carpet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that wasn't a very long living room carpet, but it was quite plush.
1: Yeah, back in the day, it was plush. Yeah. Anyway, our first story tonight <laughs> is Robert, Michelle, and Irish Tina. On Monday, Robert grabs Billy on the street to apologise for yesterday. I can't remember what happened yesterday.
0: He, he didn't show up to the, oh, his right, meeting yep. with them to talk about blah I, blah blah.
1: And he explains why you lied about Chloe. It was a surprise, you see. Billy wants to know what the surprise was, but Robert is evasive. But he goes on to explain that the whole wedding plan is on the QT, so keep your mouth shut, thanks very much. Billy doesn't seem convinced until Robert explains about his stupid birthday diversion. In which case, Billy's all over it. Ugh... <sighs> This isn't a great idea. It's not. For a number of reasons.
0: It's not at all. It's not because I think I would be... This, this only works if you're really, really wealthy and or a celebrity. The whole secret wedding thing. It's not for normal, everyday people. Because people need to... Oh, I don't know. Take time off of work. Right. Rearrange their schedules. Find something nice to wear. Get a babysitter. You know?
1: Buy a present.
0: Right. A wedding present as opposed to a birthday present. Two different kinds of presents. Yeah.
1: And a 50th birthday diversion only really works if you're 49.
0: <sighs> Which Robert is not. Which he is not, No. no. He's forty eight, yeah? I think so. Yeah. How old are you? Shut up. I'm <laughs>
1: forty five still.
0: Okay. Just checking.
1: Ryan is sometimes I don't know the answer to that question. Sometimes, sometimes I it don't takes know the me answer. a ridiculously long length of time to figure out how old I am.
0: As you know, this happens to me as well. Yep. Because you're always correcting me about my age. Thanks a lot for that. Thanks.
1: I'm mostly correcting you when you get the kids' ages wrong. <laughs> you do that all the time as well. <laughs> FYI <laughs> Ryan is pestering Robert and Michelle at the bistro about dates for the wedding Assuming that they want him to DJ His diary is filling up, you see That uh, speed dial gig that he's got going Fear up his time They bluff him and then Robert yeah. announces that he's off to arrange that special thing they were talking about Michelle scolds him for running off again And then when Robert's gone, Ryan is worried that Michelle is having second thoughts Considering that she does not seem to be in a rush to get a date And Michelle, she insists that that's not the case Mm-hmm Robert is round seeing Irish Tina. He has flowers for her. Well, that's nice, isn't it? Oh, yeah. She gives him a hard time for only ever coming round for fleeting visits, like he's embarrassed by her. He insists that he's not, but he's not really fooling anyone.
0: Remember remember last week when I said, do you think he, he he's embarrassed by her? And you said, no, I don't think so. I don't
1: think so. I'm still not convinced that he is. Mm. He just doesn't. <laughs> he just doesn't want anyone to find out about her. Right. Which and I he guess just... is the same thing
0: prefers michelle to her so which just makes their whole relationship just really kind of icky well
1: i don't know if he does prefer michelle it's getting different things that is one that he's getting out of the other
0: right yeah but if he didn't he's, prefer he's, michelle he's he baby. wouldn't have been he wouldn't have dumped vicky i mean as a person Yeah. in their personhoods
1: well he's getting a baby out of irish tina right but and that's he's getting a fucking headache out of michelle so, you know, the two things kind of balance up a little bit, don't he they?
0: He seems more attracted to Michelle than he does to Irish Tina.
1: Hmm. Irish Tina wonders why he's so cagey every time she calls. Is it Michelle? He says no, then admits, well, it might be. Michelle has been through a lot, you see. She took it hard when they split up and may have re- residual feelings for him.
0: Oh, go fuck yourself, Robert.
1: <laughs> she may find the situation hard to deal with, so he'd rather not bring it up. How thoughtful, says Irish Tina. Of course, another explanation is that Robert's a fucking liar. He and Michelle are still in love and all the furtive phone calls and just want to be mates with Irish Tina. She totally has the measure of him. Look me in the eye, she says, and tell me if yous two are back together. Robert insists that nothing is going on, but he has to be sensitive. He then gets a call, presumably from Michelle, and spins her a line about there being a bad accident on the motorway. Irish Tina thinks Michelle needs to know about this baby, so Robert has to explain about Rory. Irish Tina can certainly sympathise with that. She's had a stillborn as well. And Robert plays the Rory card just to ensure that Irish Tina will keep shtum, And this seems to work.
0: So Rory was a stillborn.
1: No, she was preemie. He was preemie.
0: Right. So I was just really confused by all of that because I thought Rory had been born, yeah. lived a couple of days and then died. Pretty much. But yeah. they both lost a baby. Right. So and
1: there's similarities there.
0: Okay. But she says as well. And that confused me.
1: Robert is back and Michelle continues to be gullible about Robert's lies and then Ryan hears about the supposed accident on the M60. Funny that, says Ryan to Robert in private. He never heard anything about this and he, apparently, listens to the traffic updates when he's trying to sleep. He warns Robert that he better not be lying to Michelle.
0: It's kind of like listening to the shipping reports or something. Right. Yeah.
1: Anytime somebody is specific in their lie, they're going to get caught out. Mm-hmm. That's the rule. So as soon as Robert mentioned something about the M60, you just knew that it was going to get found out. So it's Ryan who seems to have the measure of Robert here. It we always thought like it, was Ryan, going to be Ali.
0: it seems like Ryan and Ali both. Right. Yeah. One and the other. On
1: to Wednesday then, and Robert and Michelle are walking to work. They bump into Jenny, who is keen to know when the big day is going to be. Robert, to Jenny's disappointment, says that they haven't sorted it out, but she'll be the first to know. Michelle isn't sure about the secret wedding malarkey, but Robert convinces her that this is the most romantic way to get married, and because she's currently stupid, Michelle falls for it.
0: Well, I think she's also, remember her conversation with Billy, she's kind of like, I've seen everything and done everything, and this is something kind of new to her, and so I think she finds that a little titillating.
1: What's new? The secret wedding?
0: Yeah, but she's never done one of those before.
1: So. Yeah, she's never set her tits on fire either, but she's not about to start doing that, is she?
0: She also made Ryan apologise to Robert. Oh, that comes up. Thank at the you.
1: bistro, Ryan watches with interest as Robert seems to take a mysterious phone call and goes off to the kitchen for a quiet spot. Ryan is listening at the door.
0: hmm And
1: Robert's telling Irish Tina that he doesn't know when he'll be able to get away, and then Ryan walks in and Robert suddenly behaves even more suspiciously. Ryan thinks that Robert is on edge and wants to know what Robert's up to. Robert wants to know what Ryan's problem is, just as Michelle comes in saying, yes, what is your problem? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So Ryan wants to know who he was on the phone to. Robert doesn't need to explain himself to Ryan, but explains it was a young offender and anything else is confidential. How convenient, says Ryan. Michelle takes Robert's side and tells Ryan to apologise to him, which Ryan does, but grudgingly. Michelle sends him on his way and then accuses Robert of being a terrible liar. Robert shits himself a wee bit, but then he didn't have bothered because Michelle is gullible now. She knows it wasn't a young offender. It was wedding stuff, wasn't it? And Robert's only too pleased to jump into that. She advises him to use the office in future. Mm -hmm. And then later, Michelle wants to know who Robert was really talking to. And he claims it was an old chef buddy. Uh, He asks Michelle if he really is that bad a liar. And she confirms it, saying it's one of the things that she loves about him the most. Really. And this is despite saying multiple times during their years long relationship that if he lies again... It's over.
0: Do you think she's being willfully gullible here? That she's just she's at a point in her life where this is it. it and she doesn't this... and she's and she's she doesn't want to go through the exhausting process of starting over with somebody else and she realizes how exhausting that process is because of her t- her two dates with Michael. And so she's just like, Well, I've got Robert.
1: That's a bit of a stretch if it is. Remember, just a few months ago, she was only too happy to cut it off with them over the baby stuff.
0: Right. Yeah, it just
1: so it go from that to to be so sure of no, this isn't this isn't what I want, and I'm willing to throw this away because this isn't what I want. Mm -hmm. To be so willfully accepting of everything that this clearly lying man is telling us. It's
0: just. I can't imagine that she's actually this stupid. It's just, it's it's getting to the point where my willful suspension of disbelief is just right at the breaking point.
1: And Cory will push it. Yeah. Because this is going to happen a few times more before Ugh. it finally comes out where Aww. she says something that might be interpreted as being, that she knows what's going on and then, oh, oh suddenly it's. Just when Robert looks like he's about to confess, Michelle says, no, that wasn't what I was talking about after all, I'm talking about something else.
0: Irish (laughs) Tina's going to or Irish Tina's going to be in the hospital and Ali's going to be working that day and he's going to see Robert there. Robert with Irish Tina. Yeah, and connect the dots. I still don't understand how Robert and Irish Tina could have been dating for all of this time and nobody knows about it.
1: Well, she wasn't local. He was running about doing... He disappeared for weeks, remember?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So does that answer your question? Not really. (laughs) What more do you need?
0: Doesn't he have any friends? I don't think he really does, does he? Doesn't he have any people that he can confide in?
1: Well, who does he have in his life? He has Michelle and he has Ali and Ryan. And Daniel. Not really Daniel.
0: Well, Daniel works for him. Daniel's I mean, an employee. That's my friend. Confide in him and talk to him a little bit.
1: No, well, he's he's kept Daniel at arm's length quite a bit in the past. Mm. So when he disappeared, it wasn't really that much of a a miss because there was nobody there to to care to really care or miss him. Because as soon as he split up with Michelle, Ryan and Ali kind of kept a distance. Who does he have apart from that? Mm. Oh, what a sad existence. Seriously. No, he's still a dick. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and stupid.
1: Our next storyline tonight is Steve's birthday. Happy birthday, Steve.
0: Happy birthday to you. On Monday, Mary yoo Tracy in the street. She's
1: off on her taxi run, but Mary is overworked you. as it is. She needs Tracy's help. Tracy Happy tells her birthday. to figure it out. She's on her own. Pig's tits, says Mary. Dear
0: Muppet Face.
1: At the cab office, Tracy bursts in, pissed off. She's run ragged. A couple of new calls have come in and Lizzie's licence comes through today. Hooray, so Liz can help out. Yay! Tracy tells Steve to go help uh, Mary in the shop, as he doesn't have anything better to do. Literally. Bad the florist, Mary's also run ragged. And in comes Steve, and Mary immediately sets him to work. He tries to wriggle out of it, but Mary isn't impressed. She gives him her headset and puts him on the phones for taking orders. And then there's some confusion over missing thistles that Steve, for whatever reason, attempts to pick up with his bare hands. Mary has sent Steve back to the cab office. For fuck's sake you just get him away and now you're ruining everything and his fingers are all bandaged up so Tracy sends him back home to put up Amy's wardrobe, otherwise she will withhold his beer money. Spanner? asks Eileen. You think I'll need one? asks Steve. No, I think you are one, says Eileen. (laughs) (laughs) tish. So Steve has tricked Tim into coming over to the flat to help putting up the wardrobe. Steve gets some beers in and Tim will fob off Sal because Sal and Tim are supposed to be going out for dinner with uh, Tim's dad and Yasmin. in a separate storyline that we'll talk about later. Correct. So later, Tim and Steve have finished the wardrobe and they've wired through the beers. However, they've made a fatal mistake. What's that fatal mistake, Helen?
0: They've built the wardrobe in the wrong room. And the doors are too small to get this big, massive wardrobe.
1: <laughs> so the wardrobe now takes up into
0: into Amy's room. Take How is this wardrobe it. supposed to fit in Amy's room if it's too massive to go through the doors? Right. it's, it's What? And the, what, what? What? has Amy been hanging her clothes in all this time before now? Why does she need a new wardrobe that's kind of cheap and and tacky?
1: I wonder if she, they could like, flip it on its side and just push it through the door that way, but... Probably. Maybe not. Hmm.
0: It's massive. It's too big for that place.
1: Tim and Steve abandon the wardrobe in the living room <laughs> and head out to the pub, and they bump into a Imran who's munching on a kebab. Imran is handling Steve's appeal to get his licences back, and he isn't particularly professional in discussing the final points of the case. How long is this going to take? asks Steve. How long is a doctor's appointment? says Imran. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> On Wednesday, it's Steve's birthday. Hey! Amy... No. Amy has got him a grooming kit to take care of his nose and ear hair. Steve is keen to know what Tracy has got him, but she no. didn't give him anything because he said the other day that he didn't need anything. And after he got birthday. his hole over the earlier night.
0: Yes, I'm taking notes because your birthday is coming up too.
1: That's well, a couple of months away, isn't
0: it? It's, it's, it's. This is the last week in June, so... Like a month and a half from yeah. now is your birthday.
1: Plenty of thing. Hmm. The wardrobe is still in the living room and Tracy goes off to work and Steve quizzes Amy about Tracy's birthday plans. Amy, however, pleads ignorance and she doesn't seem like she's lying. Steve's and the rovers getting a free pint off of Jenny uh, for his birthday and he tells her that he thinks Tracy has something up her sleeve and Jenny speculates that it's probably a weapon of some kind. Tim turns up and gives him a card that's for an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> it's the only thing that they had in the cabin
0: that that had a it has a football on, her, on it yeah it's that, got a little
1: yeah. I mate badge Tim can't stay as he has to go to take care of Tiny and Steve thinks that this is a, del- a deliberate ploy to cover up a secret party Ooh. so Steve's home and desperate for his surprise he thinks people are hiding for his party but no one is hiding for his party because there isn't a party and he's not getting his afternoon delight either he's quite, he's quite upset about this Tracy Stop. didn't
0: rockets in flight.
1: Don't why are you just trying to de- get Canadian <laughs> Helen to, to, say to, say to say that you're a good singer you're so I, fucking desperate.
0: No I do this all the time. I'm always singing songs that relate to something For God's sake says. Helen,
1: Canadian Helen please say that Helen's a good singer as well because she's not taking this well
0: <laughs> I do this anyway this is not something that you're a tit.
1: He's upset that she, that Tracy hasn't even gotten a flipping card
0: Not even a f- card.
1: So Steve's in the rovers lamenting entropy and decay. Aww. The universe is giving him a wedgie, he says. Michael mm-hmm. tries to cheer him up, telling him opportunities are all over the place if you know where to look. He's not past it. He's just trapped within his own limits, plus some other buzzwords. Cash is right under their nose. Stick a carriage behind that horse of yours and you can do tours. And then Steve gets a text that's summoning summon. then Steve gets a text summoning I can't say summoning.
0: summoning
1: him home back home Tracy has got Steve a pie some beer and washed his favourite trackie oh. she's also got my unicorn card although she doesn't see the fascination they're only pimped up horses after all and this seems to give her Steve food for thought
0: and the unicorn in the unicorn card is, is farting rainbows was it? yeah
1: yeah that's great So on Friday Steve is at home on the laptop When Tracy comes home And uh, she thinks he's given himself a little
0: Afternoon delight
1: A little personal afternoon delight But no he's far too busy for that Uh, He's trying to get uh, Up to speed with getting his licenses back But what he's really doing is working on Some harebrained scheme to make money from Magical unicorn parties And because he's so busy doing this This explains why the wardrobe Is still in the living room (laughs) I think this is going to be a running joke Steve somehow finds Tim in speed dial. He's been looking for him for ages They need to get this unicorn party thing sorted quick, sharp Tim hasn't a clue what he's talking about And Steve points out that his idea is to dress up Tiny as a unicorn For parties Tim is not impressed by this No. He thinks this is a horrible idea and the RSPCA Will have something to say about it Steve can stick his magical unicorn parties idea Up his arse Right, right up, his, up arse. his arse And Steve scratches his tits And leaves Then Steve is in the cabin fashioning a unicorn horn from construction paper. He's also looking for string, glue and glitter and Rita is only too happy to help. He asks Rita to keep this from Tim. His secret is safe with her.
0: It's
1: a strange thing to say to Rita. I'm buying things. Please don't tell Tim that I'm buying things.
0: Right. Why would
1: you tell Tim that he's buying things? Just drawing attention to this, because now Rita's going to tell people about this. Right. So Steve is in the rover playing uh, the puggy, and he has a question for Johnny. Do you like unicorns, he says. Do they float your boat? And Johnny says that he can take them or leave them. Later, Johnny compares notes with Rita about this, and they come to the conclusion that Steve is on glue. Emran is at Steve's to talk about getting his licenses back. Emran thinks that they have a decent chance, but he needs to go over a few things. Steve, though, wants it to, to be snappy because he's got all this craft stuff that he's working on that's suddenly now his priority. Yes. <laughs> and that's as far as we get with that this week.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When does, I mean? when does just Tim a... get his license back?
1: Oh, he's lost his license for a year. Okay. For drink driving. Right. Or at least so a that,
0: year. So that's going to take a year.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When was that? Mm-hmm. Oh god, that was probably a few months ago now. That was the whole uh yeah. when Sally was in jail thing, wasn't it? Correct. Regina. So Yeah. It's maybe a, a few months into that. Uh so yeah, so this is a one of those kind of nothing stories that's just filling up some space while we let other things settle.
0: And... I'm looking forward to seeing Tiny with a horn. The <laughs> sta- the stables the stables where Stella used to take lessons. They do uh they, she has uh a bridle with a unicorn horn on it. and They use it for a... Uh, she does a Harry Potter celebration every year. Excellent. Yeah, it's fun. So, I mean, is it is, it? It doesn't is, really sound it, is it? It is. You just don't like horses. I
1: hate horses. I'm terrified of horses. I believe I've mentioned that.
0: Once or twice. Our next
1: storyline tonight is a quad James rama having quads.
0: Oh, quadorama! Mm-hmm. I thought you said quarterrama, And I'm like, is everybody wearing corduroys?
1: <laughs> oh, just probably is. Yeah, just a few scenes about this this week, thankfully. Uh, on Monday, Gemma's at Roy's Rolls looking like death warmed up. She really was looking pretty awful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Poor Gemma. Yes. She's off for a 12 week scan soon, but doesn't seem very excited about it. She's worried that something might be wrong. Chess says it'll work it out together, whatever that means. Mm hmm. So Gemma and Ches are at the hospital when a typically skeevy young pregnant woman overhears them talking about the quads, and she starts filling them in on how they can make a bit of money out of the situation by telling the local press. Her pal made a fortune out of triplets, apparently. It paid for her tummy tuck after the birth. Chesney isn't impressed by this, but the Gemma... cheap tummy tuck. Gemma's already sold.
0: Thank you, NHS.
1: She's getting her scan and is quizzing the tech over the rarity of multiple births and the likelihood that the press would be interested. The four babies, though, are developing well, says the tech, just ignoring what Gemma was talking about. Then back at the rovers, Gemma's very keen to get some cash out of these quads, and she asks if Daniel would be interested in writing a piece for the paper for her. She has a headline all made up and everything. From blob to quad. And Daniel makes his excuses and goes off for a piss. Correct. Chesney's worried that Gemma is turning this pregnancy into a freak show. On Wednesday... Gemma is having a secretive phone conversation in the kebab shop telling whoever it is to meet her in the Rovers later. And when Chesney comes in, she says that she was speaking with Paul who was looking to borrow money. Oh, Gemma, and your uber-specific lies. Because Gemma's not going to meet Paul, she's going to meet Suki in the pub.
0: Yeah, we don't see Paul at all this week. No. Which S- is sad.
1: Suki is a journalist for the magazine called
0: Hiya. Hiya. And, uh... Or is it Hi-ya?
1: Oh, maybe it's a karate magazine. So Gemma's explaining to Suki that the, first time, this, that the first time that she's up the podge, it's with quads. Suki, the journalist, is more interested in the quads once they've been born, because a lot can happen between now and then. You know, like, you can lose the, uh, the babies and the pregnancy can miscarry.
0: Right, and then nobody wants to hear about it.
1: Exactly. Spying that Chesney's coming, Gemma quickly makes her excuses and leaves. And as Suki leaves... Ches wants to know who she was. Gemma explains it was a journal interested in buying her story, but Gemma had said no way. And Chesney finds this very difficult to believe. Not difficult to believe that it was a journalist, but very difficult to believe that Gemma said no way. Correct. At the kebab shop, Chesney is giving Gemma a hard time about trying to sell the Quad story, but lights up when she reveals that she's scared following her conversation with Suki. Chesney does his best to reassure her and gives her a hug. And putting her mind at ease, he says that they can cope with this together. He tells her not to stress out in the word of a journalist, and Gemma promises not to panic again. And the two of them seem to be getting on much better these days. Excellent. So that's as far as that goes this week. <sighs> it's so hot in here.
0: <laughs> it really is. I kind of feel like we should have taken our equipment outside and recorded outside. No. <laughs> so yeah, I mean we're still waiting for this this is this is going to be a storyline for a number of months, so this is going to stretch on forever and ever, and I don't know how they're going to make it interesting unless she loses one like halfway through the pregnancy or something, and I don't want that to happen.
1: So our next story is uh, Gary the Villain. Oh dear. There's a few interesting pieces. Gary
0: the Accidental Villain.
1: Yeah. There's an interesting piece in the Radio Times that talked about why why Gary being a villain is something that seems quite familiar because he's picking up quite a lot of the the traits from previous villains.
0: Well, to be fair, I mean the show's been going on for what sixty years. Mm-hmm. We're gonna repeat stuff.
1: Yeah, but Philon's a builder, and so was Gary, and then John Snape was an accidental murderer, and so's Gary. There's been there's been a few. Yeah. Parallels that in more recent years that yeah. make one look a little bit like the other. And then uh, Yeah, the fact
0: a- the fact that they made Gary the villain and he's a builder. When we we just put Pat Feeling in the ground less than a year ago. No, it was a year ago. Was it?
1: Mm-hmm. Because it was the Britain's Got Talent Week.
0: Oh, that's right. Okay. But still It's just been a year. Mm-hmm. Let it let's, let's let it lie a little bit more. Let's let's make somebody else the villain.
1: Yeah, it feels like they've making a rod for their own back with us. So on Monday Gary bumps into Izzy at Roy's Rolls, continues where she left off last week, encourages him to stay for the Wee Boy's sake. She's only got used, he's only got used to Gary being back home. Jake. And Izzy goes off as Bethany comes in. She has Gary's St. Christopher's chain. Apparently Harry was playing with it. And Gary is well chuffed to see it again. And Bethany mistakes this uh, for Gary to be excited because it was a present from Sarah. And Teaser mentioned out on Twitter that they thought that maybe Bethany was crushing on Gary again. And in this scene, it kind of looks like maybe she was, which I really hope she isn't.
0: Yeah, that's icky. Yeah. Please don't do that.
1: So Gary catches up with Izzy at the cabin to apologise and to promise that he won't be running off. He'll be sticking around for Jake. Yay. Bethany's about to go into the salon when Craig gives her a fright from behind. Bethany shits herself. She thought it was Rick the Chin. And Bethany explains what happened last week. Craig promises to speak to his boss about this. Get Rick the Chin scared off or done for harassment or something because Craig is a policeman. Yeah. That'll be f-
0: it seems like everybody's just finally remembering that this week.
1: Yeah, Then he has the audacity later on to complain about that. We'll we'll talk about that later. That'll be fab, says Bethany. Then Craig sees Gary at the bus stop and brings up Rick the Chin. Gary is immediately suspicious and tells Craig that Rick's done a runner, off on holiday or something, he says. Craig is well keen to know how Gary knows this and Gary says he's been asking around. Well, this just means that they'll have to be doubly sure he's not up to anything. Craig thanks Gary for his help and Gary, who was waiting on the bus to go into town for some job opportunity bullshit, suddenly marches off in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And he's marched off to break into Rick's office. Yikes. I'm concerned about the ease in which Gary gets in and out of Rick's office multiple times this week. Seriously, It's like it's now his office.
0: He, f- foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But still, if it's e- so easy for Gary to get in. It must be easy for anybody to get in.
1: Yeah. And, and it is. Because other people get in as well.
0: Right, but they get in after Gary. You know, he never finds somebody there already, rifling through the papers and stealing money and stuff.
1: He finds a key taped to the underside of a drawer and eventually discovers that it opens a secret safe hidden behind a cupboard. Have you ever played the Secret of Monkey Island adventure games? No. This is very much a secret of Monkey Island type click and play adventure type thing. You find the key that opens the safe, the safe's hidden. Yeah. And the safe contains played similar games like that. The safe contains tons of cash and Gary takes none of it and shuts it up. But later Rick's phone beeps and it's Sharon leaving a message warning him to stay clear of her or she'll go to the police because she's really not happy with that Gary situation. Gary then gets out Rick's phone, that stored the car keys I think last week, and sends a message to all contacts, so presumably including Rick's mum and mm-hmm. Rick's ex-wife, other family members. I'm out of the country, says, but I'll be back to collect what they owe. And then there's a voice at the door asking if anyone's in. And in they come, it's one of Rick's clients. He leaves Gary with an envelope of cash for his son's debt, saying that, that this should clear it all and we're done now. Gary whispers that he'll make sure that Rick gets it and the guy leaves. So once Gary's sent that text message, he smashes up the phone and is about to leave when he goes back to grab the money that the punter from earlier left. Why he doesn't clean out the safe, I have no idea. And then the rovers, Gary... Because
0: we're supposed to be led to believe that he still sort of has a conscience here. So that's why he doesn't steal all of it.
1: Just some of it.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Once Remember,
0: and... this is this is supposed to be like a slow slide into villainy. <sighs> <sighs>
1: yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm just not satisfied with no, I'm being really the villain. <laughs>
0: no, I don't think anybody is. I. Nobody on Twitter or on on Facebook seemed to be happy about this. You know, not. I mean, and. You know the Ben Price fan page. Are happy about it? Yeah. Well, obviously because because they want they want Ben Price to be the villain. They want Nick to be the villain. But even people who weren't quite sure about Nick being the villain because it seemed too obvious are saying, "Oh come on now, you can do better than Gary (laughs) Coronation Street."
1: In the rovers, Gary hands over a couple of hundred quid to Izzy for rent and Jake, telling her that the insurance has finally paid out on these tools. Then Craig happens along to tell him that the police have checked out Rick's office and it looks like he's done a runner. His car's gone and he's sent a text saying that he's out of the country. It looks like everyone can relax. Then Gary takes out the envelope of cash and fingers through the notes in plain sight of everyone in the rovers. He has a look that suggests that he might be going back to that safe after all. Mm -hmm. Then at the rovers, there's something of a tense standoff between Gary and Adam. Adam refuses to be chased out of his own boozer until he gets a booty call from Sarah, and then he's out of there without complaint. And at the kebab shop, Adam bumps into Gary, and it starts off tense but calm, but quickly escalates. Gary blames Adam for making a move from Sarah months ago, and Adam is quick to point out all the things that Gary has done recently to screw things up. <laughs> yeah. First there was Nicola, then losing his job and then the loan shark business. Chesney doesn't want any trouble, and Gary grabs his meal and leaves. Adam calls him a loser as he passes him by and Gary goes back to warn Adam not to push him. Adam has no idea what Gary's capable of.
0: Yeah. What of are you capable of?
1: Killing Accidentally somebody killing them?
0: With, with a stone when they're about ready to kill you with a shovel. Mm-hmm. That's a bit different. That's a bit different than killing somebody just because they're shagging your ex-girlfriend. Right. So we see
1: something of a marked change in And Gary on Wednesday. On Wednesday, Sarah's pushing Harry down the street, but not like that, when they bump into Gary. Harry's vocally pleased to see him. Gary! 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 Sarah challenges him about his conversation with Adam, but Gary promises that he doesn't want any grief, and he'll be fine once he comes to terms with everything. Well, that's fine then. Craig bumps into Gary with news about Rick. They found his car in the street, and it's weird that it's been dumped, but they're going to check CCTV. Gary shits himself a wee bit at this and looks like he's thinking that maybe digging something up will solve this problem. At the flat, Adam is still concerned about Sarah's bruised arm. He comes out and asks, Did Gary do that to you? Sarah insists not and is appalled that Adam could even think it. Adam explains that Gary's permanent rage these days so it wouldn't surprise him. He yeah, talks, she
0: blames she blames poor little Harry, who supposedly threw a toy at her, and that's what happened.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's a really bad excuse.
0: Yeah, really bad.
1: You talk Sarah into taking the day off so that they can do each other. Okay. Yeah, it's nice how they've got... All this time. All this time after spending so much effort getting Sarah this supposed directorship of the the knicker factory.
0: And now she's just knickering off.
1: She's not in charge. Well, she was in charge, but now she's not in charge and... Well now she is gonna be in, no
0: No she's in charge, but she's gonna put Sally in Sally charge in for the charge. day. Right. Right. Because of course Sally loves to be in charge. Yeah, well
1: done Sarah. She was so diligent and doing such a good job looking after that.
0: Right, yeah, but now that she's getting her hole it's yeah, a little different. It's
1: a different story. So Gary's in the rovers checking the missing persons page on the online Wedding Gazette. He orders a beer and a whiskey and leaves a tenor, then goes off for a pish, just as Adam and Sarah come in. Jenny warns Adam that Gary's in the bogs and he's not in the best of moods. She doesn't want any trouble. Gary comes back out of the bogs and accuses Jenny of shortchanging him, claiming that he left her a 20. Sarah was at the bar and Gary jumps down the throat when she's about to tell him to calm down. Adam picks up on this and puts two and two together. He knows it was Gary who caused her bruise and Sarah finally admits it. Adam doesn't know how Sarah can be so calm. She says it's mind over matter. She doesn't mind because Gary doesn't matter. And now it's Sarah's turn for a pish. And as soon as she's gone, Adam goes to the bar, just as Gary, who's playing the puggy with Michael, tells Jenny that the machine is fixed. Adam's glaring at him. What's your fucking problem, says Gary? You are your knob end, says Adam. And the <laughs> two of them square up just as Sarah comes in and shouts at Gary to back down. She lays down the law as Adam, who's standing behind her, accuses Gary of assault. Sarah wants an end to this and drags Adam away somewhere else, leaving Gary to brood menacingly.
0: And it's just its so annoying. The, the the chest beating going on here between the two of them.
1: I can see Sarah's point here. If I, she's angry with Adam.
0: Right. The whole chest beating, you know, between Gary and Adam, it absolutely does not matter. And it just makes things worse for Sarah. And Adam absolutely should just let Sarah handle it the way she wants. She's not going to let Gary get close enough to her to leave another bruise. You know? Right. Unless, of course, this is going to, this accidental villainy is going to lead to him doing much worse harm to Sarah in the future, but I hope not.
1: Well, I don't if he's going to be doing any harm to Sarah, but it seems to be that they're setting up for a bit of a rivalry with Adam.
0: Well, it's already... And maybe
1: the two of them are going to come to, come to blows. But back at the flat... Uh, Sarah is absolutely furious with Adam, saying that uh, she doesn't need any saving. She told Adam the situation was being handled, but still he needed to be big, but still he needed to be Billy Big Balls and throw his weight around, supposedly yep. in the name of her honour. Then Daniel comes in to the flat, which Sarah takes as her cue to leave. So Sarah goes off to speak with Gail at the bistro, and Gale already knows that something is up between her and Adam. After Sarah explains, Gail thinks Adam was being protective, but Sarah reckons that maybe it was really too soon for a new relationship. That said, she does have fun with Adam. Gail reckons, in her experience, a decent fella should be treated like a new pair of heels. They chafe a bit to start with, but are better once they're broken in. Great metaphor, Gail. Well done.
0: It's absolutely true.
1: Meanwhile, Adam is having his heart-to-heart with Daniel. Sarah especially says she doesn't let Adam away with stuff, She's a tough cookie with an amazing business brain, plus she's fit as fuck. Win some, lose some, says Daniel. Well done on letting her walk out of your life. But Adam's not prepared to let that happen, and he goes round to Sarah's to apologise. He doesn't know what else to say. She wants him to recognise that she knows what's best for her, and that he respects her more than he fancies her. It's a tall order, he says, but I'll give it my best, because once again, he's Sean Connery.
0: That's correct. And she
1: gives him another chance, warning him to leave Gary to her. Mm-hmm. So then Sarah meets Gary in the street, getting moved on, says, Gary, what's this all about? And she tells him to stay the fuck away from her and her family. With pleasure, he says. Is that it? Sarah says that she doesn't know him anymore, and then Gary reminds her who was there for her when her world was falling in, who almost died in the Ukraine for her. Hold your horses, pal says Sarah. That was all about him missing the buzz. And he tells her that he doesn't need her or anyone anymore. He's going places and she's smolting. What does he mean by that?
0: God only knows. I think he's just blowing smoke.
1: Because nothing's really happened here to give him this sudden boost in confidence other than no. having some money in an envelope.
0: No, he's just blowing smoke because. He has nothing. When you have nothing you have to try to prove to everybody that you have something.
1: He says if she thinks that he's screwed up what about Bethany and half her family? And who's the common denominator here? He thinks Harry should be looking over his shoulder. Sarah fucking lamps him and thanks him for making this easy for her and says that she pities him as she walks away.
0: Well done, Sarah. Well done.
1: Yeah, she's not taking any of his shit. She's- Absolutely. She's a bit of a tour de force in this. Absolutely. On Friday, Gary meets up with Sarah and Roy's Rolls again. She's got all the passports and stuff from Rick's, but he doesn't want any of it. He's a bit of a shit to her, telling her that he'd be much better off if he'd he'd never laid eyes on her. He could have gone places if it wasn't for her. And to her credit, Sarah gives as good as she gets. She dumps a bag of passports in his arms. There you go, you fucker. Knock yourself out.
0: Seriously. Then Gary. You can go with those.
1: Then Gary meets a loan shark client called Carol in an alleyway. He gives Carl his passport back and tells him that his debt has been cleared. But Carl, well... confused. He's a bit of a fuckwit, isn't he?
0: I... <laughs>
1: and now he wants another loan to help his daughter get a wheelchair. Gary tries to send him down a more traditional route, like go and speak to the bank. But Carl, who let's remember as being a bit of a fuckwit here, insists that this isn't an option. Rick would have helped him, could he a... says. <laughs> and he begs Gary could to do the get same. could he a
0: wheelchair from the NHS? Probably. Yeah. Gary
1: gives him the cash... And tells him it's interest free, just pay it back when he can and Carl, he's suspicious about this, and anyway he needs more than five hundred, he needs more like nine hundred, and reluctantly, Gary agrees to give him some more later. so Carl turns up at Rick's where Gary gives him the rest of his money. Gary has no desire to keep track of any of the details of the loan here, but fuck Carl talks him into it, and where's my receipt. How is Gary operating from Rick's now? It's just it's so strange. Gary is a world's worst loan shark and Carol leaves while Gary straightens the place up and then a girl in a school uniform shows up looking for her dad. He has her this week and he didn't uh, show up at the school to pick her up and her Her mum dad is Rick the chin. uh, Yes. And her mum is going to kill him.
0: Wah wah.
1: No she's not, says Gary.
0: Because he did. Because
1: he did it last week. The girl for some reason decides to complain to Gary about uh, the divorce and... The situation with her mum and her dad, and despite the fact that she doesn't know who Gary is, and Gary claims to just be a customer of Ricks.
0: Right, and then her dad be... takes, him out, her, takes her out for cheeseburgers.
1: Yeah, she was very talkative to this complete stranger. Yeah. So, Carl has given Gary's number to some other idiots who are now calling Gary looking for loans. Gary tries to put them off, but these people are monumentally stupid and refuse to take no for an answer until Gary says that he's not that guy, he ain't a loan shark. And following this, he apologises to Johnny, uh, because this is all happening in the rovers. Right. Uh, He apologises to Johnny for his behaviour that other night with Jenny, and Johnny is so angry with Gary that he gives him a pint and some hot pot on the house.
0: Yeah, he's livid.
1: Yeah. Later in the rovers' bog, Gary has looked himself in the mirror and decides, you know what? I might as well be a lone shark after all. Fuck it. So (laughs) So he phones back Carl's mate and says, hi, is that Carl's mate? (laughs) And arranges to meet him later. And he does this in a menacing voice now. Ugh. Did you enjoy Gary's menacing voice? No. There was a different change in, definite change in how he was delivering. Yeah. So Carl's mate shows up at Rick's looking for 600 quid. He'll pay it back in two weeks. And at Gary's rate of interest, that'll be 800. This is particularly competitive, apparently. And Carl's mate hands over his passport and Gary hands over the money along with the receipt. Feel free to give out my number to anyone who needs it, says Gary. Yikes. So later still, Gary's sitting at Rick's, and I still don't understand why he's there, and he turns down the photo of Rick the Chin's family and then swivels about in Rick's chair, looking quite the business, clearly channeling something from this whole situation. And that's how we end that storyline for this week.
0: And it's so dumb. Mm. So he's going to take over Rick's business. From Rick's. From Rick. Who has disappeared yep. and that's not supposed to be suspicious at all no. and that's not going to get people calling, like Rick's family calling I the d- police. I just don't get
1: how he suddenly has free reign to walk in and out of this,
0: well, this office Well, nobody else space. is there. Rick doesn't, it seems like Rick's only heavy was Sharon, which doesn't make any sense.
1: No, but the police have now given up on this. This is—they're no longer interested. They're no longer—but
0: it doesn't sound like they're no longer interested because Craig gave Gary updates about about finding the car, and they're still, you know, looking out for Rick, and he'll let them know if if they find him or something. Huh? Did you he, notice he, Susan? A, the plant is looking very nice. Well, that's something behind behind um Gary's head there. Susan the plant has a very Susanish shape, don't you think?
1: I have no idea what you're talking about. What's a Susan shape? Leafy? It's feminine. The plant
0: was? Yes. The stem was kind of like wah. I, I, <laughs> I noticed things.
1: He seems to be now taking on the traits of another. Coronation Street villain being Rick. Now that he's going to be the the loan shark of the piece. Yeah. I, why? Yeah. We get the one loan shark. We get another loan shark. We get another one builder murderer. We get another builder murderer. We get one the with one accidental murderer. We get another accidental murderer. It's Nah. Yeah. Now know. we're this, an
0: accidental loan shark.
1: Yeah. Just seems to stumble into one thing from another. I don't know. It's just. It's just a bit unsatisfying. Name. Like, uh God, already our penultimate storyline of the evening is uh, David and Shona. And I've thrown the Maria stuff in here as well. So on Friday, this is just on Friday, Shona wants to go into town with David to get Blitz, but he has a full appointment book at the barber's. She complains that she never gets to see him these days, and he tells her, well, I'm not going anywhere, it's fine. Oopsie. Because she's worried that he might get to jail next week.
0: Yeah, and she's walking around in jeans that it looks like David has ripped the knees out of.
1: Yeah, she likes a ripped jean, does Shona.
0: It's more than a... <laughs> It's more than a tear. There's it's like tatters. the whole <laughs> chunk. Uh, yeah, you're sticking, your,
1: you're sticking your foot in that, I think, every time you try and put those things on.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, David's jeans seem even skinnier than last week's.
1: Oh, do they? Yay. So David points out that he's pled guilty and he's doing everything he can to pay Audrey back and he's her other barbers what more does he need to do and what would it achieve from sending him down? And then this has got nothing to do with anything, but Roy is back.
0: Yay! We were
1: concerned that Roy was going to be away for ages, but he wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> he, was,
0: he was back rather quickly. He
1: away for a couple of days from visiting Carla. And he's talking to Sean and Roy's roles about trains, while Evelyn is impatient at the counter. Some people have things to do before they die, she says. And she makes her order and then explains to Sean that Roy isn't here to entertain. He's here to serve. So when we thought that Roy and Evelyn were going to maybe become a bit of an item... I they don't know. Still. I don't know if Tyrone's.
0: They might still. If, let's let's just. Let's if
1: Tyrone's words from last week have kind of made Evelyn cool on the whole idea, but she's quite right. She's quite short with him in this right. very brief scene.
0: Yeah, and she seems to be quite, quite, quite a cow to Sean, who he will have her know he's got a date tonight.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't come to anything either.
0: Well, we just we don't see it.
1: Right, so it doesn't come to anything Yeah. So Ryan is in uh, the Barber's for a Trim and Gail, who doesn't even work there, is encouraging punters to have teen bickies rather than the craft beer that David would rather them have.
0: Right, because that's more expensive.
1: And Maria's playlist that's coming over the the speakers is what David calls Now That's What I Call Tragic Volume Maria.
0: (laughs) That was funny.
1: Gail reminds David that he doesn't own the place anymore, then David reminds her that she doesn't even work there. Maria wonders what's up with David, who appears to be in a mood and David admits that Shona... Uh, and him have concerns about whether he's going to get sent down. Maria advises him to do something to show Shona that she has nothing to worry about. And David seems to take this to heart, because Mm -hmm. later he congratulates Maria on her great idea. He's about to nip off to see Shona when Maria reminds him that, wait a minute, you've got work to do. So he gets a call as he's trying to start doing somebody else's hair and seems very pleased with the results. Everything is coming together, he says. And later at the Barbers, Maria, who's been getting a hard time from Ryan and David about her musical tastes, uh, seems that she hasn't heard of new popular beat combos they have these days, like the Mamas and the Papas and the Carpenters and the Seekers, or the New Seekers. Gail tells her not to worry about this. She hasn't heard of them either, and she reckons that she and Maria are two peas in a pod, which seems to terrify Maria to her very core.
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) David has rushed home and tells Shona that he's found a cancellation for August to get married. It's on a Wednesday and it's only in six weeks' time and it's not the dream wedding, but he just wants to get married. So marry me, you idiot, he says. And Shona is well chuffed by this.
0: Yeah, she says, of course I will, stupid.
1: (laughs) Maria is back home at the flat. Bethany and Emma are hitting the town, but Maria hasn't been invited. Bethany worried that she wouldn't get a babysitter for Liam. And suddenly Maria is worried that her life is passing her by or it might already have passed. So, with this in mind, she's gone to the corner shop to get some wine so she can get wrecked, and she interrupts Evelyn from reading her book. She asks if Maria is going to be drinking that vino on her own, and Liam says that Maria will be in bed before him tonight. (laughs) That was hilarious. Yeah. Gail, of course, then shows up and asks Maria to join her and Audrey for a girly spa night, while Evelyn calls Maria Betty Ford. Maria would, but she has Liam to take care of. Gail says, well, if you can't come to the spa, the spa can come to you. And they arrange to meet at her flat later. Sorted, says Which Maria. Which nice. Well, nice. Then later, David and Shona announce their wedding plans to Gail, who is less than enthusiastic and is actually uh, very concerned that David might be in prison in six weeks' time. Well, thanks for that, says David. And Gail and Audrey then show up at Maria's with David's wedding news. They're getting wed in six weeks, but Maria doesn't want to mention of any of this tonight. She needs a night off from it all. Let's talk about other things. And that's fine by Audrey, but less so from Gail. But the span night is a bust. And what they're talking about seems to be Meryl Streep movies. And then Gail decides to nip off to apologise to David because she's had a change of heart. And this is much to Maria's annoyance.
0: Do you find it interesting that Audrey mentions Kramer vs. Kramer when uh, next week the Sofa Cinema Club...
1: I just think that was quite funny, yeah.
0: We'll be talking about Kramer vs. Kramer. Do you think that's what gave the boys the idea? No, I
1: can't imagine that it would be it that a, well planned.
0: It seems a bit too much of a coincidence. You think? It's okay. interesting anyway.
1: Well, I suppose that they would know that this Maybe that's was what gave
0: them. Maybe that's what gave them the idea to watch Kramer vs. Kramer. Right. Was the fact that this episode was coming up. Right. Hmm, who knows? We'll listen to the Sofa Cinema Club. It's very good. It is very good. The boys are very funny.
1: There's, this week's episode was on the Blues Brothers which I think I would give a 7 or an 8 out of 10.
0: Hmm. There are bits of the Blues Brothers that I would give like an 8 to like the scene with Aretha but for the most part meh 6 or a 7.
1: I wouldn't go as low as a 6. I think it's, it's decent. It's just it could be funnier.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm sure if it's even trying sure. to be funny sometimes. I'm not sure how well it's aged.
1: I haven't seen it in years.
0: Especially for a movie where most of the cast was high on cocaine for most of the filming.
1: Oh, is that fact, is it? Or should I look that up before cutting it out?
0: <laughs> I think it was pretty much a fact that Dan Aykroyd was pretty much the only one who wasn't high.
1: Well, Belushi was always high, wasn't it? Belushi he?
0: was always high.
1: Tanakrois made better movies. I'm not sure Belushi has. I wasn't a fan of Animal House.
0: You weren't a fan of Animal House? Nah. Yeah, me neither. That has not aged well.
1: I, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw that.
0: If you just think about the premise of the movie, you know it hasn't aged well. Oh, yeah, I guess.
1: <laughs> uh, so are we. Yep, so it's just uh, Maria and Audrey that are left in the flat now, but Audrey wants a nap so she goes to sleep on the sofa. You have got to be fucking kidding me, says Maria.
0: That's right.
1: Then Number eight, Gail apologises. David accepts and it turns out that the two of them are drinking Gail's good wine, which is spots. Gail sends them to the pub and she'll be happy to keep an eye on the kids who are already in bed. David calls her one in a hundred. Then Bethany's back at the flat and Emma, it seems, has pulled and is off getting her hole somewhere else. Bethany wonders why her great-grand is asleep on the sofa.
0: That's good. Good for Emma.
1: And Maria laments that Gail was there earlier, but apparently Maria's company was too boring even for her. So that's where we get with that one this mm. week. And it seems that Maria is having a little bit of a... She's
0: m- having a dry spell.
1: A dry spell and something of a midlife crisis, it would seem. Yeah. Here she is, stuck with her kids in their flat.
0: It's not easy being a single mum.
1: Oh, she's been a single mum for... Quite some time now.
0: Yes. And at least Liam is slowly getting to the age where she can, where he can look after himself a bit more. Uh, he's still pretty young. He's, he's older than, gotta be like around 11, 12.
1: Oh god, he's nowhere near as old as that.
0: Liam? I think he is. I don't think so. He looks it. Did so, he? Yeah.
1: I'd be surprised if he double figures.
0: He's older, he's younger than Amy and those people. But he's older than um, I like think he, he than uh the others so why don't you look this up that's what I'm doing well I contemplate maybe ten maybe ten he's like Stelly's age maybe his smart aleck remarks make me think that he's he's older there's a whiny dog in the other room
1: he'll be nine in July
0: really he's that young
1: oh no he'll be ten in July
0: All right, okay yeah which is just next month yeah so he's he's almost double digits
1: yeah, so it's a shame. Somebody doesn't seem to be getting very much out of life. And last, and she last doesn't... time she was feeling this way, she decided that she wanted to have the, the barbers or the hair salon, and and then that didn't really come to anything. And she just finds herself back where she was. And
0: well, she's managing the barber shop. So that's what something she didn't
1: really want to do. No, she was just told to do that. And yeah,
0: then, which is fine.
1: Well, I don't think it is because she's having
0: and it is kind of weird crises. because. Audrey shouldn't be able to tell Maria to do this because aren't they joint partners in um, I mean Claudia owns Audrey's now but I thought Maria and Audrey were joint management of Claudia's.
1: I'm confused as to how all that works because Audrey sold at least some of her share or if not all of her share to Claudia so she could pay for the repairs to her house. Right. So I'm not sure if that included Maria's portion of that or not.
0: Right, because, you know, when, when... Yeah, no. I don't know. Just I just remember Audrey being kind of pissy when Claudia was going to change the name. But it doesn't look like they've changed the name. Cause no. it still says Audrey's on the front.
1: No, I don't think... Uh,
0: but it's part of Claudia's chain now. Yes. I don't get it. So,
1: yeah, I'm not sure... Where Maria falls into all this. Me neither. Something to look up for or have somebody explain to us. Please somebody explain to us how this whole business transactions worked regarding the salon and Maria's involvement in it. Because right. it seems that she's maybe not quite the boss. Anymore. Rita gave
0: Maria the money, but then Rita needed the money. Yeah, Rita gave Maria the money, and that's why Rita couldn't buy the cabin herself. Right. So she must still have a good chunk of share in Audrey's. But she's like a joint person, so she's not underneath Audrey anymore. So how is Audrey telling her what to do? Maybe she's just doing it to be nice.
1: Our final story tonight is...
0: Yay!
1: Tim's fucking dad. Boo. Earth. On Monday, Tim's dad is in a scene with Yasmin in which she makes two appalling crab-related jokes and then Axel Hoffy, when Arya makes one that's better in return.
0: And he's like waving these crabs around. Are they dead? Yeah. So he's waving around dead crabs. People buy dead crabs? Yeah. Buy them alive and then cook them. Oh, you're so so cruel. I am.
1: He's wanting to cook for Sally and Tim tonight, but Yasmin says that she's working and this annoys Tim's dad.
0: Because he's an idiot.
1: Alia offers to give Yasmin a night off. And she says that she can handle the place on her own, and to celebrate, Tim's dad cracks a third crab-related joke, although it was far too close in origin to the second, and it almost doesn't count. No. In Rose Rose, Tim's dad is thinking about a decent bottle of vino Collapso for tonight. This surprises Jasmine, who doesn't think Tim's dad liked wine. He says he does, but he just doesn't like it when she bangs on about it. And then he walks her by smelling his coffee and talking about earthy undertones and Yak's testicles.
0: Yeah, which is Uh, so stupid because people do talk about coffee that way. People do go to coffee tasting and talk about the different bitterness levels and and everything. So this joke doesn't work and he's just the worst boyfriend ever.
1: (laughs) Michelle is in and overhears us and points them to the wine tasting that they're having at the bistro later. Tim's dad is thanks but no thanks. He's cooking dinner and off he goes to get a swede out of the garden. Shona and Michelle... but bo- not like that. No. Shona and Michelle both remind Jasmine that she's uh, her own person and doesn't need Tim's dad's permission for fuck all. She can go to the tasting and be back in time for dinner, and Kathy, who has been overhearing all this, agrees to accompany Jasmine. It's been ages since they've all been out together. So Tim's dad catches Jasmine and Kathy and trying to sneak out to the wine tasting for an hour, and Tim's dad is confused. He thought he'd made it clear that, she'd, uh, that they'd invited Sally and Tim over for dinner, it's at half five. That early? And Yasmin promises to be home in time for 6.15, which is when dinner will be served and he pretends that he's okay with this. So the poncy wine tasting is going on and it seems that Brian, Sean, Kathy, Imran and Yasmin are the only people that are in attendance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not really that poncy.
1: No, and only Brian seems to be doing it properly.
0: Well, it, Imran initially does it properly as well but... None of them are actually doing it properly because they're all drinking the wine. There's no bucket there for them to spin into. No. They're they're drinking whole glasses and whole bottles. Right. They're getting drunk. You're not supposed to get drunk at a wine tasting. No. It's awful.
1: But Sean makes it clear that that's exactly why he's there. He's out to get pished. Brian takes a sniff of the wine and announces Wait. that he's getting wood.
0: Oh, this this was the day before Sean was supposed to go on a date. This isn't the night of the date. I think it's
1: a couple of days before. I think it's just the Monday, isn't
0: it? Yes. That was one of my favorite scenes of the whole week is when Brian is smelling his wine and he says, I'm getting wood. And then the camera pans over to Imran, who's looking at Brian horrified by the (laughs) statement. Yeah,
1: Imran's like, it's good, but (laughs) But it's not that good. (laughs) Kathy and Yasmin are also keen to get pushed and ignore Tim's dad's text announcing that dinner is almost ready. So later at the wine tasting they're all hammered and they're singing songs and cheering wine jokes that are as bad as Tim's dad and it all goes on for far too long. And then Kathy, apropos of nothing, falls out of her chair on her arse and that's funnier than anything else that's happened so far.
0: Except for Brian's getting wood.
1: Yeah. Michelle asks them to calm down and despite her being responsible for all this, uh, Yasmin realizes she should leave and takes Kathy home. Cathy worries that Tim's dad will be upset but Yasmin insists it'll be fine. He's not the boss of her, she says.
0: And that's correct. She needs to remember that.
1: So Tim has pulled out of the dinner.
0: Because he's going to help with the wardrobe. Correct. And I mean, Michelle is worn off her feet because um, Robert has disappeared again and she's running the bistro by herself so she can't focus on the wine tasting. So that's the reason for that. I'm losing my voice.
1: So Tim's dad and Sally are having dinner. And guess what he's made? Roast chicken for mains.
0: <laughs> yeah. When was the last time the, he
1: made chicken casserole with horrible dumplings last time and now he's uh, making roast chicken. My God, he's really and pushing it at it, the it's, boat.
0: It's, yeah, and the crabs are for this They're awful for starter. Yeah. awful looking crab mousse thing mm-hmm. and wine glasses or something. that just It looks awful. It looks disgusting.
1: Yep, they're continuing dinner and they're doing it without Yasmin, who comes home and tells them all about Cathy falling on her arse and then she calls Tim's dad a typical man for being too impatient to wait for her. Then Tim's dad announces that it's Charlotte that they're having for dinner, Yasmin's pet chicken. And it looks like Yasmin's world falls apart a little bit. Yeah. She's utterly heartbroken until Tim's dad announces he was only joking.
0: Do you think he was only joking?
1: I have no idea.
0: I don't think he was only joking. I think that really is Yasmin's chicken. Because he's like, but you said that she wasn't laying anymore. But it doesn't give you permission to kill somebody's pet chicken. Right. <laughs> this guy has something against pets. He's, he has something against people that he loves having things that they love more than him. Mm-hmm. That's what he has a problem with. There we
1: go. Yasmin pretends to laugh it off, uh, but then she gets wired into more wine. So later, Sally stuffed in his off home skipping dessert. Yasmin finishes off the wine, and Tim's dad gives her a hard time for being late and drunk. He worries about what people will think about Yasmin getting hammered all the time, despite her saying that this is the first time she's had a drink in weeks. She wants to make it up to him, ha <laughs> ha, but he wants to sleep in the spare room.
0: Sure, go right ahead. <laughs> So on
1: Wednesday, a tender Yasmin comes down the stairs. She's hungover, and Tim's dad wastes no time in shaming her in front of Tim, who has popped round to apologise for missing all the fun last night. Once Tim's gone, Tim's dad announces that he's been up for hours waiting on her. She apparently had promised to go for a walk last night, only she can't remember promising anything, because she didn't. But she does remember Tim's dad being annoyed at her. He looks at her like she's daft and sends her off to have a shower. Then at speed dial, Yasmin is struggling with Ryan's DJing. It's just far too loud and that boom, boom, boom. Aria thinks this is hilarious. Ryan suggests hair the dog, but uh, Yasmin looks like she's going to vomit just thinking about it. Then in comes Tim's dad and Ryan winds him up about being a shit DJ. And Tim's dad does not seem to take very kindly to this.
0: No, of course he doesn't.
1: And later, Yasmin is feeling better sipping on water. The cooked breakfast that Tim's dad had made uh, has actually helped her. And when everyone's back is turned... Tim's dad pours jasmine's water all over Ryan's DJ equipment. Correct. Shorten it all out, and it starts to sizzle.
0: Yes. This is a
1: very, very worrying.
0: This is very expensive equipment.
1: He's gone from, as you say, gaslighting Jasmine every opportunity he gets, and maybe joking about dead chickens, and maybe not joking about dead chickens, and but this is. An actual actor sabotage against a guy who just made a slight joke at his expense.
0: Right, but remember, he's he's still pissed that Ryan is the DJ of Speed Doll.
1: Right. So Yasmin later notices that the glass has been knocked over onto the mixer and immediately blames herself. Tim's dad makes sure Ryan is over to inspect very quickly and confirms that, yep, it's fucked.
0: And it's all Yasmin's fault.
1: Nice one, Gran, says Alya. And Tim's dad goes to get his mixer uh, to help out while Yasmin promises to replace what she didn't break. Alia tells Jasmine to take the, the takings to the bank to get out of the way uh, and a shady-looking guy who was Jasmine's customer earlier looks very interested in this development.
0: Hmm. Yeah, who... What business owner says very loudly in a crowded restaurant to another person, Here, take this bag! Full of money to the bank Here, right Gran. now.
1: Thanks, Gran.
0: Here you go, Gran. Who's already kind of not feeling well because she was she's a little bit hungover and kind of woozy and is also a grandmother.
1: Yep. Take this big bag of money.
0: Cheerio. <laughs> in in a big, flashy red bag
1: that says swag on it, doesn't it? And then, uh, tra- outside, Tracy nearly runs over Yasmin when she's crossing the street. Watch where you're going, you old boot, says Tracy. Wind your neck in and your window up, says Jasmine. That was funny. That was funny. Then the dodgy guy from earlier jogs up to Jasmine, wanting to know what the time is, and as Jasmine checks her watch, the guy steals the takings and runs off, pushing Jasmine to the ground. Tracy sees this in her mirror and immediately gets out to help. Well done, Tracy. So Tracy helps Jasmine to her feet and of course, Jasmine is blaming herself. This is all her fault. Why did she... Why couldn't she have fought the guy off and why didn't she realise what was happening? And Tracy tells her not to be so silly and offers to take her home. And that's what she does. Correct. And Tracy has also called the police and thinks that Alia should know about this. And Yasmin will Correct. call her in a bit and continues to blame herself. It, then in comes Tim's dad who learns what's happened and is suddenly very concerned. Mm-hmm. Tracy leaves them to it and then Yasmin breaks down in Tim's dad's arms. The police have got a great description from Yasmin and Tracy and think there's a decent chance of bringing this torag to justice. Tim da- tim's dad tells her not to blame herself and go have a bath because they tells tell her to go and get a shower now it's a bath mm-hmm. but yasmin wants to go back to work tim's dad calls her pig-headed funny says yasmin when a man refuses to be cowed he's stoic when a woman does it she's pig-headed she doesn't need tim's dad's fucking advice and she doesn't need him to be her bodyguard correct and off she storms mm-hmm. but outside though yasmin isn't so confident She keeps checking over her shoulder as she's walking down the street, and she ends up breaking into a run, just as we see that Tim's dad is lurking around the corner, following her. Yeah. Oh. He's
0: spying on her, Mm -hmm. and lurking around corners.
1: So later, Jasmine is home, and then Tim's dad comes in, claiming that he was out for milk. She rushes to his arms, crying and telling him that she was sure someone was following her. Someone was. Tim's dad.
0: Right, but he doesn't say that.
1: No, he says, oh, that sounds awful and she apologises for not letting him uh, walk her home. No apology necessary, says Tim's dad, as he gives her a hug.
0: Tim's dad. What? What? Fucking fucking tit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice one. (laughs) I wondered if we might have called him something stronger than that, but we didn't. We went with tit. Yeah,
0: well, we said fucking tit this time.
1: Okay. On Friday, then, Yasmin is up at lunchtime, and Tim's dad wonders why she isn't staying in bed, but she wants to face the world. She doesn't want to be hiding away all day. Tim's dad has already spoken to Alia, without asking her, who has agreed to give her the day off. He says that he knows best. The mugger could be in speeddal for all she knows, disguised and waiting to strike again. Pretending
0: n- to be a customer.
1: <laughs> She'd never know it was him. He doesn't want her at risk when a th- the thug is still at large, and he doesn't want her mixing with strangers or going anywhere without him. And she calls him her protector. Yikes. So Tim and Sally nip round to see Yasmine and see how she's getting on and give her one of uh, Sally's stinking lyssen yas! Yasmin is a bit bored in the house watching films. It's best to stay in, though. Then, Tim's remind- then Tim reminds her that she wasn't injured and it's best to get out and get some fresh air and get on with life. And Alia agrees. Sally invites her to the rovers, but when Timstad dad throws uh, Yasmine a glare, Yasmine knocks it off her back. She's off the sauce for now, she says. Then Yasmin and Tim's dad are doing a jigsaw, and this, <laughs> understandably, is the end of Yasmin's tether. She needs to go out to get some fresh air. But Tim's dad has gone round to his own house to bring round all these other loser games, like uh, Kerplunk and Frustration. I thought it was quite telling that... Uh, the last game is Frustration, frustration that yeah. was perfect. Oh, was it Monopoly? It no. wasn't uh, Kerplunk, no. it was Monopoly and Frustration. Yasmin thinks that fresh air is more what she needs. Fine, says Tim's dad. I'll take my bloody games home and maybe, maybe I'll find, find someone else, else to play, to play with. <laughs> and Yasmin is standing at the door slowly and then slowly relents, up. closes it off and decides to stay after all. Then Tim's dad turns up at speed waiting for his takeaway. Aya asks after her gran, but Tim's dad is curt with her and says that he's in a hurry. So uh, he's in a hurry to get back to her. So chop, chop. Then Tim's dad comes home with the takeaway and is an hole to an empty house because Yasmin has done a runner. He phones her to find out where she is and he says to her that he asked her to stay where she was and then he hangs up on her and then leaves. And he finds her posting flyers for Craig. Uh, She announces that the police have caught the mugger. He's admitted it all and there's a couple of other women that he uh, robbed from that's also on CCTV. The flyers that she's handing out are for a self-defence class that Craig's running and Yasmin intends to attend. Tim's dad is glad and Kathy is also ready to sign up And sing Brian up for the classes as well.
0: And Brian says this is all mainstream media winding you up about the dangers of the street. Right. And Kathy reminds him that Yasmeen was just mugged yesterday (laughs) on the street. Yeah,
1: Brian's going for a fake news angle that doesn't really exist. Correct. So Craig's doing self-defense classes in the community garden because of course he is.
0: Right, because he can't do it in the community centre because...
1: That's full of knicker people. Correct. (laughs) And they have their own laws round about self-defence.
0: Correct. Mm -hmm. They have needles.
1: (laughs) It's a kind of acupuncture approach to self-defence that the knicker people have. Correct. The ancient laws of knicker people self-defence.
0: Correct. And there's only four people at Port Craig's... Self-defence class. I thought
1: there was more than that. There seemed to be a few extras thrown in. Were there? Yeah. I didn't notice them. So Tim's dad is watching on and is highly critical of Craig's teaching methods as uh, he's telling Yasmin to put all their weight on her back foot, etc. Craig offers Tim's dad to join them, but of course Tim's dad refuses until Brian points out that he's shitting himself and can't do it even if he tried. And this is all it takes to provoke Tim's dad into joining as the next volunteer. He was a boxer who that says, that's the best martial art. Tim's dad goes to punch it's Craig. It's a martial art. <laughs> but Craig quickly overpowers him and twists his arm up his back and he should have fucking broken it. Wah wah. Tim's dad claims to have been playing along uh, and just allowing sure. Craig to do that. And nobody, nobody believes sure. that. And later in the pub, Craig is moaning to Imran about how much of a dick Tim's dad really is. Right. And at home, Tim's dad says that he can teach Yasmin all she needs to know about self-defence, but Yasmin quite rightly says that she's going to stick with Craig if that's okay. She apologises though for not telling Tim's dad where she was and for laughing at him when Craig made him look like a pussy. Then Alia, Ryan and some random guys are back at Yasmin's after closing time to carry on their night out. And they're a noisy bunch and Yasmin comes down to ask them to keep quiet as Tim's dad's sleeping. They agree and give her a beer. The gang get wired into the leftovers that Tim's dad wanted to throw away earlier. They chat about DJ residencies, which Yasmin seems to know quite a bit about. Ryan asks how she's doing and Yasmin is pleased to announce that they caught the bastard and she's attending self-defence classes. Ryan doesn't know anything about this, so Yasmin agrees to show him. So as she's doing this demonstration for Ryan, Tim's dad comes downstairs wanting to know what the fuck is going on. Yasmin tries to introduce the gang, but Tim's dad isn't interested. He wants Yasmin to come back to bed. And he's pissed that the leftovers that he was wanted to throw out have been eaten. And who are these people? Alia tells him to wind his neck in. This is exactly what Yasmin needs, she says. So later, Tim's dad and Yasmin head upstairs and the gang file out. And one of the randoms takes particular interest in a photo of Arya's family. Mm-hmm. What was that all about?
0: Mm. It was just kind of random.
1: Wasn't it because later Alia's asleep on the couch when someone wearing gloves comes into the room and steals those photographs of Alya's family along with some jewelry from a box, and that's that
0: that that hand seems to know has jewelry in it already, and why do we have jewelry in an unlocked box in the living room, and how did that hand know that underneath those pictures was a box? full of jewellery. You know who I think that hand belongs to.
1: And that's how we end this week's episodes. Um, Yes, Tim's dad.
0: Yeah, it's totally Tim's dad. (laughs) And he's going to try to blame it on one of these DJ guys because they were winding him up and saying he can't be a very good DJ if he's in bed already. Oh, for
1: fuck's sake.
0: And because he wants Yasmeen to be scared because he wants to feel needed. Because he's an asshole and codependent and it's just the worst human being
1: Is he codependent or ever. is he just dependent? Because I don't think Yasmin's dependent on him. No. But not yet, anyway. She's going to become that way.
0: Yeah, he's trying to make her codependent. There's a codependency <sighs> in the making there. Which so, is just awful. Because Yasmin is so funny and so full of life... Hanging out with these guys and stuff. And we get to see the real Yasmin again, which we haven't seen in quite some time. Also, what's wrong with Sally's lasagna? I thought Sally was a fairly good cook.
1: Apparently she doesn't make a very good lasagna.
0: I was hoping that when Tim's dad came in with the food and was slagging off Sally's lasagna quite verbally, I was hoping that Sally was going to walk out of the kitchen. That Sally would have come to visit Yasmin some more. Oh right. Yeah, but that's not what happens.
1: Yeah, the bit where she's uh, she's accepting a beer and she's chatting with the guys, and Al just looks so proud of her grand. And right, And look at her grand. She's just taking this as it comes. Right, and she's, she's not hanging been... out
0: with these guys, mm-hmm. and she's given as much as she's getting. And... She's
1: been a bit of a license, life right. and soul of the, the place, as right. it turns out. And you're right. She's such a lovely person. And this again, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of two minds about this storyline because I, I dislike Tim's dad so intensely, but I'm meant to dislike Tim's dad intensely. So
0: he's getting worse, though. He is getting worse. Because before he was just
1: It's just a, a tit. tit, but now he's, he's
0: just an annoyance. Right. now he's he's doing harm to other people, which actually, to be fair, if Tim is to believed, and why wouldn't we believe Tim? Tim's dad has always been like this.
1: Right. Or he's always had this part of his character.
0: Right.
1: So I, I again I like how the seeds for this were planted way back when he or even before he sabotaged Brian's seeds.
0: Right. Yeah. Which was such a dick move as mm. well. Oh it's just a joke. Whoa. And he doesn't learn from it. Well this is th- th- this is significantly worse
1: it is significantly worse but it's good how this has been this has been started very gently a long time ago right and it's just starting to
0: it's a slow build and it's not accidental no this is what this dude is like
1: this is how you do slow build
0: right yeah
1: because th- this this rewards you for remembering things that have happened right. months ago. And right. Like when he was he managed to get himself into her bed when she didn't really want to take the relationship that quickly. Right. And how he managed to get into her house when he was feigning mm-hmm. injury. Yeah. All this that we thought, oh, he's just been a bit of a dickhead. It's, yeah, he was, but it's been part of a bigger
0: spiral. Or thinking that it was kind of a laugh. Mm-hmm you see the look on Yasmin's face when she's shutting that door back up. You just, you see the life being sucked out of her. Right. It's devastating. Mm-hmm. And the way Cassie is like, you know, we don't get to hang out very often anymore. We should go do this together because I don't get to see you as often right. anymore. I mean, this is classic. This is classic emotional abuse right. here. This is exactly what emotional abusers do. Is they separate you from your friends Mm -hmm. and from your family. They try to make you completely dependent upon them for everything. They gaslight you. They put you down. They make you feel like you're not good enough and you're not important. And all of your goodness and importance comes from them and their opinion of you.
1: And he says, he's up front about this. He says, I don't want you going anywhere without me. Right. But the way that he's pitching it is that he's doing her a favour by this.
0: Right, yeah, it's because she's been mugged. Do you think he might have been behind the mugger too?
1: It wouldn't surprise me.
0: Because of the way that he says, oh, it could have been anybody. It could could be a guy who's in the restaurant right now. You know, and the way that he kind of reacts when she tells him that the guy's been caught was
1: weird. Well, that would be an alarm for him because there'd be the risk that whoever it was is... Going to grass him up if he right. was involved in it. I, 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 I imagine that he wasn't really involved in it, but he's taken absolute uh, what do you call it?
0: opportunity. Yeah, he's, like, he's we're being he's very opportunistic most, about this. Yeah. He's
1: making the most of this opportunity. Absolutely,
0: Newell. Yeah. so gross.
1: But the good news is that because this is happening,
0: and he's a believable villain as well. This is all believable. He is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, cr- credit where it's due. He's, he's done a good job at being the, the yeah. He's good at acting this un- like an asshole. utter cunt. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Overcome with that, are we?
0: Yes, we are. Okay,
1: I think it, I think it's deserved. Yes, but uh, but the good thing is that he will get his comeuppance then. Eventually, it might just take a while. Yeah, and it's going to be a rocky road.
0: Which will be okay,
1: and I'm I'm going to hate moments of this,
0: right? But and I'm, I'm going to it. hate what this does to Yasmin yeah, and absolutely. her character because I already kind of hate seeing her go through this. Yeah, because we love her. We do. Moment of the week: Brian's wood.
1: <laughs> what was our moment of the week last week?
0: Uh, waning. It was waning. So it was a right. C- it was so it was a very emotional thing last week there wasn't really any like deep emotional well done acting this week
1: just that moment you described with yasmin closing the door
0: right is that our moment of the week it makes me sad but you know what i don't think we've ever given it to yasmin
1: i don't think so either
0: so let's make that our moment of the week yeah i'm happy it makes me sad but she does so much acting with her face and her physicality in shutting that door
1: the resignation is palpable isn't you just,
0: it your heart breaks for and it was just so well done yeah that's our moment, moment of the week. week moment of the week boring of the moment of the week moment of the boring of the week
1: week of the boring of the moment can I suggest Roy talking to Sean about trains yes that's our
0: boring moment of the week Boring <laughs> moment of
1: the week that was easy that was pretty easy, and that was meant to be boring,
0: right, yeah, which, and which made it kind of funny, you know, yeah, you know, because Roy just doesn't stop when he starts talking about
1: trains <laughs> he's, he's you know, finishing... Sean is
0: just kind of trying to make a joke, and Roy is taking it very seriously,
1: right and Sean continually calls Roy Royston, Yes, I kind of like that me
0: too,
1: and nobody can hear you me too, there we go. Shall we wrap this up then? It's 10.20, yes, and that's so I'm bloody hot. Wetting
0: balls in here.
1: <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, we have an embarrassment of underused methods to do so. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com if you want to send us an email, Skype us a voicemail, or tip us a couple of bucks on PayPal. We are at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and now Instagram, which I still don't understand, and we have a blog, thetalkofthestreetpodcast.wordpress.com. Thank you making it to the end of another episode we will be back next week with more talk of the street bye cheerio
0: this episode was brought to you by donahue solicitors an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.